Hello and welcome to the Understory podcast. My name is Lord Sycamore. Today I've got a special guest interviewer named Pastor Brooke Selby. Welcome to the podcast, Brooke. Thank you. It's great to uh, have a chance to talk this through with you a little bit. I want to ask you, um, this is kind of going back to the very, very basics of all of this. So you had an epiphany happening at the creek down by your parents-in-law's house with your family. When I was down at the creek, I was sitting and looking forward to the album being finished up. And my family, at that time, it was just my young son and my wife. Our daughter has since been born. We were down at the creek and playing and splashing around in the water. And the sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. My wife and my child are happy. um, But I have this sense in my heart of this not being enough from a worldly perspective, I have everything that I need physically. I even get to do things that I want. So what is there left to to fill in the gap? What, what is this gap? Mm, I think one of the passages that helped answer that for me when I went back to the house and started trying to dig into what this feeling was, um, was the one from Ecclesiastes 3 about you've set eternity in our hearts. And that's a that's a pretty big gap, actually, eternity. <laughs> yeah. And it makes sense from the scriptural story because in the beginning, humans are made in the image of God, and God is very big. And to reflect the image of something so big requires a space that's very big. And we as humans, our bodies are not huge, but the space of our hearts from which you know, art and music, love, passion, all these things flow out seemingly in excess of what you'd expect. Um, That huge space is there because there's a huge God who wants to live in it and overflow from it. And when I wrote the first aching to be had, I wrote it from the perspective of someone who doesn't know that God and so only has that enormous space and is wondering, is there ever any way that this is going to be filled? Uh, You know, I find it interesting that a happy time would cause you to feel uh, a longing, because most people would say unhappy times cause us to feel a longing. Do you think that there's something about happy times that encourage that longing or that, you know, sort of remind us of that desire? Again, I'm just thinking really practically, you and your family at the creek, but this experience, it's much, you know, that goes beyond that. Yeah. James, I think in James 5, gives this prescription. He says, is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. And that's always been striking to me because when I'm happy, my instinct is not to sing songs of praise. It's to try to acquire more happiness Uh or, or to secure my own happiness. And I think I... The longing was a gift from God. The emptiness was a gift from God to help me to notice that I was at an intersection with my happiness, that I could try to take it and run with it to a place that was safe, build a big barn and stuff as much happiness into it (laughs) as I could before my life was required of me, or take the happiness back to God who gave it to me to begin with. 
and um, writing aching to be had, and especially the reprise, helped me to turn that happiness that I have been given in having a family and the spiritual blessings of being a Christian, uh, to turn those back to God. Yeah. So I was really touched by the reprise because um, my experience of sort of modern day Christianity is that there's a, there's kind of a sales pitch that we give, which is, you know, and again, it's, it's never quite this simplistic, although I fear it's becoming more and more so, but which is basically, you know, if you become a Christian, you will be happy and you get to go to heaven someday. Um, and, you know, in the beginning of your album, here's the, here's this guy who's looking at, he's looking in the wrong direction. He's really dissatisfied. And, and then, you know, he comes to a place of, you know, recognizing, wow, there's a God and I'm loved and there's meaning. And, uh, and I thought that that in and of itself was powerful because he's expressing meaning uh, and, and a sense of that, which is more than just a, now I get to go to heaven someday kind of a, mm. kind of a thing. But what I thought was so powerful about the reprise was this recognition that, um, you know, in, in the sim most simple terms, becoming a Christian doesn't mean now I'm really happy all the time. And, and so there's this kind of discovery of this deeper longing that even the person who has become a Christian um, starts to hopefully starts to get in touch with. So I, I'm really interested in hearing about that sort of this second longing that, that you're touching on. There's two things at play there. Um, one, which didn't make it into the reprise, was I had idolatry in that I was loving worldly things like my own accomplishments more than I was loving God. So there was a disconnect um, between me and God that needed to be sorted out through prayer and repentance. Aching to be had came when I was finishing up Child Coming Home, and I felt like God was telling me, you've got another song to write. It, there was a sense of restlessness, unease, in, uncompleteness. And what I recognized as I was wrestling through it was... Um, I was very focused on myself and even this project, which was about spiritual things, about God and who he is and my journey towards him. That had somehow become a source of pride and accomplishment for me. And this song came in um, as a way of trying to express how empty I felt. What was beautiful is that it didn't stay, I didn't stay empty. I had the, mm, the gift again of being raised as a Christian to know where to go with those feelings, being taught about God and who he is. So this reprise of Aching to Be Had, it comes back at the end of the album. And it's basically the, the polar opposite, whereas the singer, the character in the album felt very empty in the first aching to be had in the reprise. Now he's feeling full. He's feeling at rest. He's been satisfied. Um, in the lyrics, I draw from Psalm 23, which says, uh, you make me rest beside 
the waters. And it goes on to list some other ways that this relationship of with God has grown and satisfied him too. Yeah, that's beautiful. It seems like you have a relationship with God at this point and you know him, you know his love, you know that he knows you, and yet there's still like this longing that you have in the midst of that, and it seems like the longing is this recognition, like I'm I'm not as close to him as I want to be, and it's and it's completely because of the, my own stuff in my own heart that separates me, whether the the my own selfishness or pride or or the things that I have set up above him. Uh, is that that is the first thing that creates this sense of being separate from God. There is a second longing too, and that's the longing that every Christian who's walking with God will feel, which is this longing for home, being with God. In Christianity today, we often think of that as some disembodied existence off in heaven. Um, But the picture that comes from Scripture is more one of a bodily existence with God uh, living with us. In, In Revelation, it talks about there's a new heaven and a new earth, and the city of God comes down from heaven to earth, and God's dwelling is with man. And the resurrection, if that says anything, says our bodies are going to be made new. In Jesus's resurrection, you, we see the first picture of that. He's the first fruits from the dead. So in the reprise, there's this lyric, I'm aching to come home, to be settled in your land. My body needs belonging, belonging that I've not yet gained. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, uh, the first aching to be had, the singer saying, my heart needs belonging. And when we become Christians and we surrender our hearts to Jesus and we confess that he's Lord, our hearts get that belonging. They belong to God. <laughs> but our bodies are still here. And while God's spirit lives in us, there's there's still a lot of things in the world that can mm, appeal to our flesh, I guess. and um, make us live not for God, but as though the world is all there is. James 4 talks about that of anyone who chooses to be uh, a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God, like the world being the things in the world opposed to God. So what we're looking forward to ultimately is to a redemption of our bodies, where everything that we are, not only our hearts, but our our bodies and our our whole physical lives are perfectly united with God. So that's the second longing is this desire for unity, basically, of myself um, in belonging to God. Yeah. You've you've come into a relationship with him and you've made this declaration, okay, I'm going to join my heart to his word and be and hold on to that, which is eternal. And yet... Uh, even in happy times, there's this sense of, okay, I, I know him, but there's ways that I'm really still apart from him. Hmm. 
That is capturing it well. The second thing is really this sense of physical separation. And I didn't really know how to talk about this until I was um, reading through Psalm 84, because Psalm 84 is written from the perspective of somebody in the Old Testament who has been at, maybe even worked at the temple where God came and lived in the same physical space as humans. And those experiences of worshiping God and of being close to him physically were unlike anything else. And this whole um, psalm is about how he wants to be in God's house, not just because God's house is beautiful, but because God is there. And the I was struck in reading Psalm 84 about how how much about the body so much of the language is. There's a physical temple in the Old Testament, and he's wanting to go to that place. But his experience of wanting is very bodily. He says, my soul longs and even faints for the courts of Yahweh. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And that's why I felt the liberty to put the ah, ah, part in there. It's like, he's actually crying. It's yeah. coming up from the depths of him. Um, almost like a lamentation, like he's, he's torn up about it. And, um, and he's jealous, even of the smallest things that get to be in that space where he wants to be. He's thinking of the sparrows and the swallows that he's seen at the temple near God's altar and he's saying, even they get to have their nest near you. Uh, as though to say, like, why can't I be the little bird who gets to uh, perch in your house? Yeah, there's this, there's a sense of like uh, proximity, you know, and uh, how close do I get to get? Um, I mean, my assumption is that the doorkeeper, uh, you know, as is as close to out is you can be while still being in like wow, yeah. you know, i guess he's not saying i wish i could be the guy that gets to dust off the you know the the ark of the covenant you know? <laughs> i mean he's sort of uh, out there a, a, a few doors between him and and you know and the presence of god or whatever um yeah it's uh, and it seems like this this longing is one of proximity. Hmm. Yeah. And I appreciate what you said about the doorkeeper maybe is as close to out while still being in as you can be, because when you see Jesus, the physical embodiment of God come to earth, um, interacting with people, the ones who um, get close to him are the ones who are humbling themselves, oftentimes throwing themselves down at his feet um, not considering themselves worthy of him. It's definitely an exchange of your pride for proximity to God. I think that that he desires that longing. I just think it's silly for us to take credit for that. I mean, it's it's like the person who says, okay, you know, I'm checking myself into uh, alcoholics, you know, or this, I'm, or this rehab clinic. You know, it's silly to say, well, what a fantastic person. 
other than like, okay, you got your brain screwed on enough to know that you, you need full-time residence care here, you know? <laughs> so I think really similar. Um, it is good. I mean, it is good that the person says, I need to be checked into a full-time clinic. And it's good for us to say, I want to be in the full-time courts of the Lord, but also silly for us to say, you know, and I'm really awesome to recognize that I'm, I'm just so desperate and so broken. That's only just being rational, you know, like, okay, good, you open your eyes. Yeah, yeah and what I, I think one of the parts that I appreciate the most in Psalm 84, I had to puzzle through it a lot because I didn't know what it was talking about, is this part that I made, I guess, the bridge where it says, Yahweh, God of armies, hear my prayer, listen, God of Jacob. And you're wondering, well, who are you to say, God of the universe, listen to me, little human speck right here, who wants you. Um, But then he says, behold, God, our shield, look at the face of your anointed. And basically the guy's saying, my hope that you're going to listen to me and you're going to satisfy my desire is the fact that you've given me this representative that you chose. And that's, the psalmist didn't know this at the time, but that's King Jesus, who has walked this road of weeping before, who has longed for God in the flesh and uh, been broken because of that longing on the cross, and yet who has appeared before God in the heavenly Zion. So all of the things that the psalmist longs for in this, Jesus has gone through and received. And so we can pray this with the psalmist and say, don't look at me. I'm the guy who needs to be checked into the rehab (laughs) facility. I I have no worth in myself other than what you put there. But when I trust in you, when I trust in Jesus, you do put that there and you you are going to satisfy that desire. Jesus is my hope. Yeah. You know, and I think it would be so insulting in a human relationship for someone to say, like to a spouse, I just need you to help me to love you. Like, I, I just, you know, I'm, I just don't have a lot of love in me. And if there's anything you could do to help me love you, like I appreciate it, you know? <laughs> so the, the fact that God is even willing to, take that role i mean it should be very humbling to us but also um so fantastic you know to um that we would have a god that would be willing to kind of play both sides of that (laughs) yeah yeah the the line in psalm 84 of yahweh will give grace and glory like he's gonna give you the favor you don't deserve and the thing you're longing for yeah that's beautiful so again hard for us to take much credit for that and um you know, what the album and this song and these psalms, you know, a lot of what we've been talking to is this this longing that we have in us for him. Hmm. So, you know, you could have chosen a lot of titles for this song, and it could have been like something like, I really long for God, or I really long to be close to him. Uh, I really long that I could be the guy who finds him, and instead... It's longing to be had, which which just seems more proactive on the side of God. And, you know, in the end, he's the haver. Hmm. I, I guess they're two sides of the same thing. I mean, what, what it is that we are most longing for is that that deep level of belonging and that being being had by him and being had by by nothing else. Um, so just curious to know how you came came across that that title. The album child coming home 
very much draws its inspiration from Jesus's parable of the two sons and particularly this character of the prodigal son who goes away from the home he knows, wastes his life and his inheritance on basically worldly things um, and his own pleasures rather than, you know, the father's business um, and, and the father himself. And when he turns around and comes home, um, it turns out that the the longing he's had, this tiny sliver of longing, um, really he's more interested in the security that his father is going to give him um, than necessarily the father himself. But this, this tiny sliver of longing that he has for the father, which was enough to get him started moving, it turns out it's not any way compared to what the father's been feeling. The father has been looking and the father's been waiting and when he sees his son coming he takes off running and he lavishes his love on his son and basically won't even let him apologize he cares so much about his son that he's willing to basically be humbled and be shamed in that culture um just for the sake of expressing the almost almost like motherly affection that he has for his son in that moment. And God is so much bigger and so much more powerful that in that father, in that while we're still sinners and while we're still dead in our sins, like it talks about in Ephesians 2, Christ dies for us. God shows up in the flesh. Um, the father, like his very, the very picture of God comes down and is visible to us and touchable by us. And he dies as one of us. And he, he goes into the pigsty and rescues us. Um, and so the, the, the tiny sliver that I felt in aching to be had of wanting to be secure in my heart and my body doesn't even compare to the desire that the father has for me that I be had by him. Yeah, he's right to want himself for us. <laughs> you know, and I think um, the uh, the um, the point where the son comes to his senses again is a is a good picture of why we should be really humble, even in knowing that we're pointed in the right direction and, and going after God. That there's there's no opportunity for pride in the same way that there's no opportunity for pride in us saying, "Man, I need." you know, 24-hour rehab, same thing. It's like, how much credit can you really give someone for coming to the realization, like, you know, eating, eating the slop of pigs, I bet I could do better than this. You know, I, 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 bet, uh, I bet my father's got something better. Like, um, he's right and smart to go back home, but can't take a lot of pride in saying, here's a genius thing I figured out. Like, hmm. <laughs> pig food rather than, being a slave at my dad's house. Yeah, honestly, mm, one of the reasons why when uh, God made it pretty clear to me that Psalm 84 should be on the album that I didn't want to is because it's so uh, bracing to me. Uh, originally, I started setting it to music just because I was moving from house to house and I wanted to have some sort of thing for my mind to grab on to instead of being anxious, like, okay, there's a greater home that all these homes are a picture of, basically was the rationale. But as I lived with this psalm and lived in this psalm, 
what it exposed to me over and over again was these very pure, radiant desires for God that you see in the psalm are not the ones you have. And it makes me uncomfortable reading it um, because I, I would like to take credit for the times when I can say, oh, I don't need that slop. Um, I, I don't I don't need to live the way I was living. But the the beautiful thing about being able to have this scripture setting on here is it is just such a, a clean, bright arrow pointing towards home. Yeah. which is why I put it at the end of the album, just saying as lo- as far as we've come on this journey so far, this pilgrimage, all the parts that have been to it um, from being separate to God, from to being called by Jesus, to learning how to live as a Jesus follower, to even having like a family and home and relationship like you wanted to learning those things were a picture of God. Now, where are you left? Well, you're left still needing to keep moving towards God. Um, So Psalm 84 saying, uh, blessed are those who set their hearts on a pilgrimage. I just thought there's no better word to end this on um, and no purer, cleaner arrow to point people forward and myself forward than um, Psalm 84. So beyond the theology, which is really good and a really good backdrop, like what's been the the biggest... um, just like here I am with the pigs eating the slop, like in your own life. Like when you look at sort of the the lowest of lows, the time, you know, a time of just being really far from anything good, really just, you know, pursuing your own gains. And what's an example of that for you? New apartment is partly autobiographical in that there was a time basically from, I guess I'd say high school on through beginning of college where I knew who God was. And I told myself, basically, I don't believe that there's a God because I wanted to, I wanted to be able to enjoy the pleasures of the world. I've been pretty hooked on, on drugs before I've been pretty hooked on pornography. Um, I've been in relationships that I shouldn't have been in and knew it. Lilac orchestra also touches on, on that basically says like I, I wasted all of this um, potential and, and wasted all of this spiritual seed that I had instead of pursuing God, even though I, I knew I could. Being able to come out the other side of that after surrendering my life to Jesus and to find myself now as a father with a family um, and a heart that does keep pointing me on towards God is really astonishing. And it's really the reason that I made this album and I made these songs because I know people, uh, very people who are close to me who have similar stories, but who haven't come out the side of it that I've come out on. Yeah. And I wanted to be an evangelist in the sense of saying, I have had this really complex and spiritually confusing experience, but there is a direction to go. And for anyone who wants to listen to what it was like for me, this is my 
elaborate <laughs> musical <laughs> rendering right. of that story. Right. Thanks for being willing to share your heart in uh, in this time and also in uh, all, all the songs and all that you're putting together. Both the end product is great, but also hearing hearing the struggle that gets there, I think, is as much encouraging to recognize. You know, I just think it's a really important message that becoming a follower is, is the beginning. It's not the end. And it's not like now that you're following God, everything's going to be great. But it's really just the discovery of deep desire. And it's just, I think, attaching the desire in the right, in the right place. But it's not sort of the final satisfaction of the desire. So I appreciate your willingness to <clears throat> call a spade a spade in that. Sure. I, I go back to, I think, track three on the album, Come to Me. Jesus says, take my yoke. Um, and he says, come and work with me, basically. And this has been a lot of labor to do this. And I've definitely questioned many, many times if it was the right choice. Um, keep coming back to yes, um, because the struggle as well as the end product is a gift that God wants me to give. It's a gift he's given me. And it's only made me stronger. This line in Psalm 84 about um, the pilgrims, they go from strength to strength. This having the desire for God, while in some ways it's exhausting because it doesn't allow you to settle in and set up your tent. In the end, it makes you stronger because you're learning how to persevere past the distractions to Jesus and keep moving towards him. So I'm, I'm very grateful to get to share that. Yeah. Keep longing after and keep pursuing. So I wanted to say to you that I'm, I'm very grateful to you for your role in speaking to me, the things of God about God and just caring for my heart and helping me to stay committed to that pilgrimage towards God's heart. Yeah. So thank you. It's a, uh... It's a pleasure to fan a flame. Well, Brooke, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. This has been such an encouraging conversation to me, and I'm really grateful for your stories and for your influence and for your heart. So thank you, and God bless you. My pleasure. God bless you, too, and your family. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this story, please consider purchasing my music or donating to this work through my Patreon. Either way, I hope this was a gift to you and that you were encouraged by it. Have a good day and God bless.